Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Drudy Arman. We had a couple little technical difficulties, but as usual, because he's the best in the business, the wizard, Thomas Watts, uh, got us up and running about five minutes late. Uh, we thank you, uh, for everyone, for joining us live here on BAMS Radio. Uh, and, and those that uh, want to, you can join us, www.bamsradio.com. Uh, we are here from 7 to 9 p.m. tonight. We've got a, 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 a packed show for you. Uh, we're going to hear from a lot of great guests. Uh, well, first of all, we're going to have uh, William Redfish Barger in about 10 minutes come on with us. As you know, he's the third amigo uh, to our triumvirate, and we're going to be honored in about 25 minutes or so to be joined by a big-time commitment for the University of Alabama who plays uh, for one of the great high school football programs and the, and the winningest in, 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 the, in the state of Florida, the Bowl School in Jacksonville, Florida, and that is Mac Jones. Uh, he will be joining us uh, for about 25 minutes tonight. We look forward to that conversation. Uh, in hour number two, we will hear from uh, Thomas Fletcher, the number one rated long snapper in the United States of America from IMG Academy uh, in Bradenton, Florida, via the state of Washington. Had a chance on my uh, daily radio program, Talking Ball in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, to uh, be joined uh, by him uh, the, uh, recently, and he spent about 15 minutes kind of breaking down his decision. We're going to bring you that conversation uh, for those of you that may have missed that in the Rocket City of Huntsville. And then Rodney Orr of TiderInsider.com, great friend of this show, great friend of mine. I contribute to his website. He will be on as well, and we want to thank all of our listeners, including a new one, Elizabeth, tonight. She's uh, joining in with us, and I know Nikki is going to be joining in with us as well. We always It's great to have female listeners as well. We always enjoy expanding our audience, and uh, we appreciate everyone who I know has got their Bama football fix. Uh, they need it, and it's uh, coming because uh, fall, fall camp is really not that far away, only in about a, a month and a half, unbelievably, uh, Thomas Watts. Yeah, it, I was sitting down getting ready for the show, and I realized that, and it was just like, well, this is a good problem to have, if you ask me. <laughs> and, and, you know, just from the producer station, I apologize if the show is running late. Um, essentially, the blog talk radio is run on what amounts to MacGyvered together duct tape and bailing wire in the technical industry, or it's run by a walking, talking turnip, because right now I have, I'm running the show through four phones because their entire web interface is dead. Kind of kills me. 
But uh, well, you're the wizard, and <laughs> only you could be able to do that. That's amazing. It, and, it's, uh, it's ridiculous, and I shouldn't have to do it. And I won't rant on the show, but you know, that's I, I apologize. I have found a workaround. I hope I don't have to keep finding these things. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, but Drew, I want to I want to give you a quick hat tip before we get into. Uh, Right before we get into the show, you know this this Mac Jones thing was was completely on you, and uh, I have to admit when you called me, I was very very surprised, but very happy, and uh, really looking forward to that conversation. It's going to be yeah, a, he's he's already retweeted deal. it, and um, you know, and uh, he's uh, he's very excited, I think, to be on with us, and he's one of the best players in the country, and we look forward uh, to speaking with him. Uh, and it's going to be uh, an outstanding conversation, and uh, by someone that's done very well on the com- on the combine and uh, seven on seven circuit. He was just recently at the IMG uh, seven on seven national championships, performing very well. He's also been recruiting uh, heavily for Alabama since he uh, flipped. He reminds a lot of people of number ten, and, uh, and number ten is going to be a very popular uh, guy for years to come with the legacy he left, Thomas, and that's of course AJ McCarron. Uh, winning two national championships, nearly a third, uh, and and uh, really I should say three because he was a backup in '09, nearly winning a fourth, uh, but he as a starter winning two in 2011 and 2012, and a near miss in 2013. So uh, he's uh, considered, I, I think, uh, the best quarterback of the modern era of Bama football. And Mac Jones has reminded a lot of people. Uh, of uh, of uh, him, so yeah, that, that's that's heady praise, as you know. You know how good AJ McCarron was, and he's and he's not scared of competition right now because you know he committed after Tua Tagovailoa did from Hawaii, so he's not afraid to come in and compete. Certainly not, and that's what you want because even though Alabama ha- has made a plenty of hay over the past couple of years pl- plugging and playing quarterbacks. That doesn't take away from the fact that there are a bunch of them on campus, and you're going to have to beat them out. You know, I, I don't even, you know, not even talking about the guys who are the presumptive, you know, first group, if you will. You know, Cooper Bateman, obviously coming out of spring as the, if we had to play tomorrow, Cooper Bateman would start guy. But uh, even beyond that, you've got a guy that's pr- is going to play big dividends. You know, once, excuse me, once Mac Jones gets on campus, and Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts was uber impressive this spring and he was i mean hell he should have been going to the prom when he was impressing the heck out of everybody on campus if you ask me so a lot of competition at alabama glad that that's not going to be an issue because prima donna quarterbacks are well prima donna quarterbacks yeah (laughs) i don't like that even though they're the most important position on the field well you got to be confident in your ability especially uh, to play at alabama you know the microscope you'll be under um, and, uh, and, and, and the funny thing is, is that, uh, it's as wide open as it's ever been going into this year, uh, with four guys competing, hearing reports coming out of the Manning passing Academy that Bateman did not perform very well there. He and Brandon Harris, uh, kind of, uh, were, were the two that were the least impressive of all the QBs that were going through the Manning passing camp, at least as, a uh, as, uh, counselors and, and, uh, perspective or returning college starters. So, uh, that, that'll have everybody anxious a little bit with fall camp uh, uh, going to just coming up in about a month and a half. But it, it's going to be fascinating to watch because Nick Saban has admitted this summer that no one has won the team, and most thought Cooper Bateman had a slight lead going coming out of spring, but it was very very slight. And I do think it's anyone's job, maybe even perhaps Jalen Hurst, but I'm sure we'll discuss that in a couple of minutes with William Redfish Barger. 
Absolutely. And, and I, I want to you know back up your point. Even though Cooper Bateman had the lead coming out of the spring, I agree it was very slight. And you only need to look back the past two summers. You know, two summers ago, Jake Coker's going to win the job. Jake Coker's going to win the job. Blake Sims wins the job. Fast forward 12 months. Man, is uh, oh, what's his name? Braxton Miller going to come to Alabama? Because if Braxton Miller came to Alabama, that'd be just great. You know, I'm not sure we want Jake Coker winning the job. Jake Coker, we know what he is. Well, 12 months again, Jake Coker's won a national championship, and he didn't win the team until Ole Miss. Now, that doesn't uh, that doesn't change that Alabama looked, let's just say, grungy without a quarterback in you know a leader of that huddle before, uh, particularly before the Georgia game. But goodness gracious, there's, there's plenty of time for this thing to shake itself out. And as bad as Cooper Bateman, and I put bad in air quotes, may have looked at the Manning Passing Academy, he's not horrendous. And it's not like there are other t- not there are plenty of talented options. Excuse me, I'm kind of stumbling all over myself because I got frazzled trying to get the show started. No worries, my friend. Uh, we you know we got this thing cranked up. You did a great job. We're gonna have William Redfish Barger uh, with us in a couple of minutes. We're gonna get him on the phone line and then set up for Mac Jones. And we're really looking forward to speaking with him and. And uh, and and I know William has been very impressed with what he's seen so far of Mac. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to get two quality quarterbacks in one class, and neither one of them have signed on the dotted line uh, right now. But it it speaks of Lane Kiffin and what he's been able to do uh, now that he is back on the road. He he didn't recruit as much last year. Uh, he's back, um, uh, you know, as a full time recruiter. Uh, in uh, in 2017, 2016, there wasn't as many targets that he worked, uh, but they've 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 got him back out. He, he was and he played an integral part in bringing Blake Barnett to the University of Alabama, and he is now uh, any quarterback. Lane Kiffin's going to have uh, a, a distinct say in. He and Nick Saban evaluate these guys, and you know they they uh, they did uh, lose the uh, decommitment of Jake Frome. When he uh, wanted, he decided to go to his childhood favorite Georgia and play for Kirby Smart. But they didn't let that bother them. They did an outstanding job of going out and uh, for, and getting the commitment in uh, in late May of Tua Tagovailoa. And now they've been able to flip Mac Jones uh, since uh, the early part of June, and they've got two quarterbacks uh, in uh, in their uh, now in their arsenal, and two of the better ones. I, I think you won't find a school in the country to probably sign two better ones at the same time in one class based upon uh, what you've seen Tua do at the Elite 11, what you've seen Mac do, and what they've continued to do on the combine circuit and uh, in the seven-on-seven. Now, they're going to have to go out and, of course, uh, play well in their senior seasons, and I'm sure they're going to do that. Uh, But the future is bright. The talent level continues to go up uh, at the University of Alabama. As far as the quarterback position, there's a lot of people wringing their hands. uh, But ever since Lane Kiffin got on campus, when you think about the talent level he's been able to bring in at quarterback, Blake Barnett still has a lot of potential. We, we've seen Jalen Hurts. We love what we've seen of him in just a six-month time period. And now with the two young men committed in this 2017 class and then someone like Jack West who could be on the horizon at Sarah Land High School, it's very, very exciting to think about it. And now we do uh, on the Sun Belt Tennis Hotline have William Redfish Barger with us. William, good evening. Hey, Drew. How you doing, man? Doing well. I know you're probably looking forward to this Mac Jones conversation. Uh, it's a young guy that, you know, maybe a month and a half ago we weren't really thinking about being in the University of Alabama's class, but 
Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin kind of played a card and, and pulled that out of their hat, and uh, he's been impressive thus far. Yeah, you know, the thing that I'm really most looking forward to talking to him about is uh, he, he's been pretty, you know, open and, and visible on, on social media um, as far as talking about how he's turned into a recruiter, um, you know, for Alabama. And I'm interested to, you know, kind of picking his brain and seeing just exactly who maybe he's kind of targeted on his own and maybe who the coaching staff has told him to target as a recruit. Yeah, that, that that's a great point, William. Uh he uh and he he's 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 done an outstanding job and and uh, and uh, Mac Jones has been very vocal with who he's been recruiting. Uh we know he's uh, been uh talking to some big time uh, athletes. There's no doubt about that including uh Mr. Bay in Jacksonville, Florida who is uh, one of the best corners in America. Yes, absolutely. And uh you know, I think he probably uh you know, this is something that you know, we could probably only say on this show, not for, you know, public consumption, but I guarantee you um, he has been, and we'll figure out a way of tricking the young man into telling us this, but I guarantee you he's been given a, you know, kind of a marching order list uh, from Lane Kiffin and, and the Alabama coaching staff on some guys. You know, certainly when you, when you look at where he is uh, down there in the Jacksonville area, I'm sure Wade is one of them. I'm sure, you know, trying to keep the the number one, in my opinion, the number one offensive tackle in the country, Alex Leatherwood in the fold, um, you know, Najee Harris in the fold. But I'm interested in kind of hearing from him, you know, who's some of the guys that are still out there roaming around that are uncommitted that maybe he's been tasked to target. Yeah, that, that's going to be fascinating as well. I'm sure he may not want to uh, talk about every target that he's uh, speaking with, but he has been vocal in, in uh, going after a few of them. And uh, and we know that he, he's, uh, ever since he committed, he's uh, been uh, active on social media. He's been, uh, uh, in the interviews that he has done, both uh, live and, of course, uh, at, at recorded at events, he's been very, very vocal in saying uh, that he thinks that Alabama is going to put together a monster class. It looks like right now, if you had to read the tea leaves, William, because of the targets each is recruiting, uh, Alabama and Ohio State are going to kind of slug this deal out for the top class. But Alabama, it, it's you know we weren't saying this a month and a half ago, but it's fun, it's always seems to do this after the the uh, the first wave of the of the uh, summer camps. But they're already at 15 commitments. Hearing it's probably going to be about 27 prospects, which means only 12 more to be added. Going to be interesting to see how the numbers work. I was trying to get it to work the other day, and you, uh, once again, I think Alabama's going to leave some good players out on the table. Well, and they might, and, and, you know, you've watched this unfold enough times, you know, while you've been following recruiting, Drew. There's probably going to be at least two, maybe three guys that vanish off of the current commitment list in December or January, which opens up three more spots. Um, I've been told that, that you know, if, if the numbers work out and, you know, Alabama has the opportunity to, you know, take everybody that they want, that, you know, the number might possibly go up to 28. Um, so, wow, you know, we'll see that how that plays out. But, you know, like like you said, you know, looking at it, let's just say that there's only 12 spots left. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be three or four more wide receivers, um, you know, maybe two more offensive linemen, uh, four or five more defensive linemen, you know, maybe two more DBs. And if you look at it in that context, that, that class is already full. 
Yeah, that's a great point too. And uh, they they are they are uh, uh, they seem to be filling their needs thus far. Defensive line, though, in your mind, isn't that the most important group going forward? Oh, absolutely, it is. And uh, you know, I think Alabama's in great shape with you know two in-state guys uh, here at Alabama and LeBron Ray from Huntsville and Ryan Johnson from from Mobile. But but they really need you know two or three more guys on top of that. Um, and, you know, some, some body types to keep in mind. You know, they, they need some interior guys, but what they really need is, you know, some, some Ryan Anderson types, you know, a guy that's got the versatility of, you know, being a jack linebacker on one play and sliding down inside and playing defensive end. But much in the same way of, you know, like you've kind of seen, uh, you know, Jonathan Allen and Deshaun Hand evolve. You know, when both of those guys were signed, um, everybody thought they were going to be Jack linebackers. And that's kind of what I'm hoping turns into, uh, because I still have not been able to get an update on where his weight is. But a guy that I think that can follow, you know, real quickly into both of their footsteps is, is the 2016 signee Terrell Hall, depending on what he showed up at in Tuscaloosa weight-wise. And he's one guy that we haven't talked about a whole lot, you know, about – guys that can come in and maybe play in year one. Um, do you think if he comes in at the proper weight that he could impact it? I mean, you know, they're so deep. Yeah, they're so deep at those edge positions, Drew, when you when you look at, you know, Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams kind of being the lead dogs there and, you know, the emerging star and Anthony Jennings. Um, you, you know, you've got a guy that's a, a proven pass rusher, even though Alabama fans haven't seen him do it the game just yet. But, you know, that's kind of the, the niche role that Christian Miller could find himself in with this team. You know, could he play? If he does, it's probably going to be in a special teams type of an environment um, for Terrell Hall. I just think that, you know, at least on the, the, the 2016 team, I think Alabama's so stacked there, especially if, you know, Jeremy Pruitt wants to walk Rashawn Evans up on the outside and rush him some too. Um, but but I think what you have to start looking at is is the next wave of guys. You know you're going to lose Tim Williams and and uh, Ryan Anderson after this year, so you've got to have that next wave of guys developed. And it's going to be, um, you know, Anthony Jennings, Christian Miller, Rashawn Evans. Uh, I think even you know I think what you'll probably see uh, Van Darius Cowan do. He's probably going to be a carbon copy of Rashawn you know, maybe an inside linebacker on first and 10. Uh, but once they go into the 4-2 package, you might see him, you know, more from an inside linebacker into an edge rusher. The guy's got the frame. He's got the long arms and, and the length that you look for. So there's a lot of options there. Uh, but, you know, I think in this recruiting class, when you start looking at it, you know, you've already got game changers at running back and, and Najee Harris. You've got a game changer at offensive tackle in Alex Leatherwood. You've got a game changer at inside linebacker in, in Gary Johnson. You know, you've got two, you know, solid quarterbacks in Tua and Jones. Um, you know, but they want to fill that out with the rest of the wide receiver class, you know, a couple of elite DBs. But, yeah, the focus, you know, going forward on finishing this class up obviously needs to be on the defensive line. And this really isn't the year – to find yourself in that situation as far as stockpiling, you know, five technique defensive ends or, 
you know, versatile guys like Darren Payne and, and uh, Josh Frazier that have nose guard bodies but have, you know, three technique defensive tackle skill sets. This really just isn't the year to be trying to do that. Yeah, it really isn't. And uh, uh, more great uh, observations, William. Uh, we'll see. And, and you're right. I mean, uh, if, if he does get on the field, uh, and uh, then uh, I think there's no doubt about it uh, that it, it, it'll, it'll, it's talk, it'll show how special he really is. And, I mean, we'll see uh, how that goes. But, again, you're right. I mean, uh, the edge spots with Ryan Anderson, who has just continued – uh, to get better and better uh, every year. Uh, and then we saw what Tim Williams did. Uh, there's no doubt about it uh, that uh, uh, what he did last year. It's going to be really tough to play uh, a, a big-time role as a true freshman. Uh, but, again, many people uh, believe that Terrell Hall was special and had big-time ability. And I'm, I'm just anxious to see what Tosh LePoy can do coaching him. Well, and, you know, the the funny thing about this whole thing, especially after watching uh, Ryan Anderson in year one, um, you know, under Tosh LePoy, and, you know, I know you were here in Birmingham with us, um, you know, at the, at the you know, the private deal that we always have, and, and Lance and Jeremy have always been the ones that have come up here and done it. But I'll never forget this was in – uh, I think it was in either the fall of 2012 or the spring of 2013 when we had Lance up here and somebody asked him the question about, you know, why isn't Ryan Anderson playing more than he is? And, um, you know, I hate to even say this because I consider Lance a personal friend, but the, well, the point I'm trying to make is that this is how, um, you know, going from maybe a Kirby Smart at defensive coordinator to a Jeremy Pruitt or, a South Sanceri at outside linebackers to a Lance Thompson. I don't think Alabama fans realize just how much the position coaches, you know, have influence over who plays. And, you know, as God is my witness, the, the first time that Ryan Anderson was allowed to play on a full-time basis last year, you know, you saw what he did. Um, I think he was one of the most complete players on that Alabama defensive line last year, you know, was probably single-handedly responsible for winning the Tennessee game with his sack of Josh Dobbs, um, you know, where he made him cough the ball up, and, you know, Sean Robinson almost had a scoop and score. But I will never forget sitting across from Lance um, at Michael's Restaurant, whether it was in the fall of 12 or the, the spring of 13, and somebody had asked him the question about, you know, why isn't Ryan Anderson playing more? And Lance looked up and he said, well, his arms are too short. And it infuriated me so bad, I looked at Lance and I said, you know what, you guys spend millions upon millions of dollars evaluating these guys and recruiting them for, you know, sometimes three or four years. You, you, you couldn't have figured out that he had short arms during the recruiting process. And, you know, Lance kind of held his hands up at me like, you know, in the stop position. Hey, bro, don't blame it on me. That was a South Sanceri decision. Uh, you know, I don't care how short Ryan Anderson's arms are. He is an elite football player uh, that's probably going to end up being a second or a third round draft pick next next May. He really will. And uh, I, you know, when you told me that story, it infuriated me as well because I just watched the tape 
Uh, all I do, uh, I watch the film and let the film speak to me. And I could tell he was a football player. And as I've told many, many people, and I have a close personal friend who played for his high school coach, Glenn Vickery, who went to practice uh, and watched him work. And basically, he's a he plays like a homicidal maniac. And that's a good thing. And, you know, he plays with an edge. He's very, very nasty. But yet, he was also very smart because he had really good academics uh, coming out of Daphne High School. And uh, really, he was well, a very smart young guy and, and, and really more of a quiet assassin. But go ahead, William. Well, and I think, I think a lot of the, you know, one thing that, which I think has provided Alabama fans and, and certainly some pain on the other side of the state with Auburn fans, let's not forget uh, you know, he was Jeremy Pruitt's kind of spy on the inside that helped orchestrate the flip of T.J. Yeldon to Alabama as well. And uh, you know, the, the thing that I appreciate about him, I think he's kind of a throwback old-school guy. You know, he's Ryan's a legit 6'2". He's probably 265 pounds. Um, and, you know, to give Lance Thompson credit, he was right about one thing. He does have short arms for an edge player at the SEC level. But like you said, Drew, at the end of the day, the tape doesn't lie and the statistics don't lie. And when you start breaking down this, you know, Alabama defense for 2016 and you look at John Allen's production and Tim Williams' production and Ryan Anderson's production, you know, that they return basically – 90% of the sack production off of that defense from last year. You know, Sean Robinson and, you know, Jaron Reed and, and D.J. Petway were not very big explosive play producers. Yes, they did their jobs. Uh, they were great players. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But I think the, the magic that took place, you know, last December and January with Nick Saban talking – you know, a guy like O.J. Howard and, and Reuben Foster and, you know, Ryan Anderson, John Allen, Eddie Jackson, all those guys had the opportunity to come out last year as juniors and go pro. Um, you know, how they managed to get all these guys that were big-time producers, um, you know, come back for their senior years, uh, that was unbelievable to me. I've never seen that happen in a college football environment before. And, uh, you know, it was some of the most productive producers off of that team last year. Yeah, it really was. And, and speaking of productive, uh, we are now joined uh, and honored to be uh, that had to have him with us tonight for a few minutes. But uh, on the Sunbelt Tents hotline uh, by a, one of the members, the 15 committed members of the 2017 class at the University of Alabama. He is uh, the Bowles School quarterback. Mac Jones. Mac, good evening to you, and thank you for joining BAMS Radio with myself and William Redfish Barger and Thomas Watts. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Uh, no problem, man. I know it's a busy schedule for you. Uh, you've been grinding a lot this summer trying to hone your craft. Uh, but I, I guess for our listeners uh, that, that may not be as familiar with your journey, kind of tell us how you got to this point and uh, kind of when your recruiting process started. And then, of course, you did commit to Kentucky early, and then how you uh, basically came to be a member of the University of Alabama's uh, a committed signing class. It's definitely been a crazy couple of months, almost a year now. So um, really when my recruiting picked up was about like three months ago, four months ago, right before our spring practice and stuff. So 
um, it's been crazy. You know, I've received offers from um, almost all the SEC schools and, you know, a lot of other big uh, powerhouse football programs. So it's been a blessing. But um, really just the whole journey has completely changed for me. Um, obviously, I was smaller growing up and then kind of grew late and all that stuff in my recruiting process kind of spurred up late. So it was just interesting to see it all play out, and I'm happy with Alabama, and I think I made a really good choice, and I just felt like I just needed the opportunity to compete at Alabama, and that's what I'm going to be given. So I just felt like I couldn't give up on that uh, dream of mine. Absolutely, Mac. And, and uh, excuse me, William, uh, just one – I wanted to ask you, though, uh, what was – I guess when when did Alabama first contact you and start giving you major interest, and then we'll let William uh, have his thoughts. Um, they contacted me like right when all the other schools did around like right before my spring practices. So I mean they were right there with everybody else that uh, recruited me and stuff. So I mean I had brief contact with them before that. Um, obviously they had another quarterback committed, Jake Fromm, for a while too that I know. So they were pretty much done with quarterback recruiting, and then he decommitted so they kind of opened up looking at a few people and throwing out some offers to some people and they did a good job uh, keeping in contact and being straightforward with me well Mac, this is uh this is william and, and i you know first of all i have to you know kind of identify myself i'm a uh a former alabama offensive lineman and uh you know from way back before you're even born i mean you're young enough to be my son but at the same time mm-hmm. I wanted to welcome you into a uh, fraternity um, that will last you the rest of your life. I, I can't. I can't even go into all the uh, the positives that's going to impact you as a an Alabama football player uh, for the rest of your life. So I consider you my brother, not my son. Um, number <laughs> yes, one, number two. But you know the thing that's really kind of stood out to me. Um, you know, once you've you know become you know into the fold as a you know, an Alabama commitment is, you know, I've noticed, and I'm not a big social media person, but, you know, the way the internet works these days, they, they pull this stuff in and, you know, they make it real easy for you to see and read and follow. But one thing that I've noticed about you is you, you've kind of, since you've committed to Alabama, you've kind of, you know, turned into an extension of the coaching staff and have taken it upon yourself to be a recruiter, um, for Alabama for the rest of this 2017 recruiting class. And, you know, I was kind of wondering if you would be, you know, willing to, you know, discuss or talk about, you know, some of those other players out there, uh, you know, like yourself that are four- and five-star type players that you're actively recruiting to join you in this recruiting class. Um, yeah, it's definitely a kind of difficult for the coaches. So um, I try to make it easier. I mean, it's a lot easier for us to talk to them and stuff. And, you know, social media these days is really good for that type of stuff because you can reach out to, you know, people from all over the country. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you can kind of just give them the facts and then they can kind of make their own decision because obviously it's not your choice. But I think Alabama football like, and the whole program and Coach Saban's philosophies and stuff just work for your life beyond football. And I think, I feel like, you know, if you're not going to the NFL, then you're going to be fine in the business world or getting a job. Just due to Bingo. so many connections. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you said, the, the brotherhood. I, I, so. I, can, I can speak to that myself, but go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, that's, I mean, that's something that's been easily, like, portrayed to me and my family. I mean, we just see that without even, like, 
digging into anything. We can just tell that it's just a giant brotherhood and everyone knows each other and everyone really just loves Alabama football and Coach Saban and his philosophy. You know, because I know down there where you're at in the, in the Jacksonville, Florida area, you've got a, uh, you know, a pretty decent, you know, cornerback by the name of Sean Wade that lives in the same city as you. And you're not that far away from a guy by the, the name of Alex Leatherwood, who I think is the best offensive tackle in the country, uh, you know, in this recruiting class. Do, do you feel comfortable, you know, talking about some of the guys that you're trying to target and, and maybe, you know, join you in this class? Um, yes, I know Sean, like, really well. Like you said, he's right down the road. Um, but his family and my family get along really well, and it's really easy to recruit him because, I mean, we're just so – we're always together and we're always hanging out together and stuff. So it's a lot easier to recruit him. And Leatherwood, I, I talk to, like, over social media and, and kind of keep in touch with uh, all the other commits, too, just to keep the, you know, chatter going and stuff like that, to keep the camaraderie going. But um, other targets, I mean – the receivers, there's like four or five of them that are just really just studs. Uh, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, all those guys. And then we have the kid from Texas committed who's also, you know, a freak athlete, and I'm excited about him. So um, really just kind of just reaching out to the players that the coaches really want and stuff and just trying to get them on board or just explain how the whole Alabama football thing works. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, so <laughs> that's not too hard, but – um, really just stating the facts for them. Yeah, we had the uh, the stud wide receivers uh, high school coach on the show this time last week, and, you know, he told us some unbelievable stuff about, you know, that guy's work. Greg Miller. And, yes. Um, you know, you know, and again, being a college quarterback, uh, to be, so to speak, I mean, that's got to – I saw the, you know, the cut-up deal that you did where, you know, you dropped back and you threw a pass and – you know, you had you had Judy and you had Smith and you had Nico Collins, all the other, you know, Alabama wide receiver targets basically catching your balls that you were throwing. <laughs> uh, you know, something that I'm curious about because I've watched your film and, uh, you know, I, I love what you bring to the field as a player. But tell the listening audience what your current size, your, your current size, uh, height and weight is right now going into your, you know, you're, you're a month and a half away from your senior season. Right. I'm like six, two and a half. I mean, I'm almost six, three, like in shoes, I'm six, three, but, um, you know, about six, two and a half. And right now I weigh 185, but I've been doing like summer workouts and stuff. So I've been packing on weight. Um, you know, every day I've been packing on weight. So that's going to be, uh, kind of a challenge for me this summer. Um, halfway, almost halfway through now. So, um, it will just be interesting to see how much weight I can put on before the season. Well, and Mac, I worry wanted about to. The, I'm so, go ahead, bro. Go ahead, I'm go ahead, ahead, ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. No, what, what I was going to tell Mac was, you know, being 185, um, you know, I don't know how familiar Mac is with Alabama football, but, you know, the, the last really legit big-time college quarterback that Nick Saban recruited and signed was a guy by the name of A.J. McCarron. And he's probably a little bit closer to six five than he is six four. But when right. he signed his scholarship as a true freshman, you know, he was six four, one eighty five, and that's a that's, you know, a little light in the loafers for somebody that tall. <laughs> so you, you don't right, have to yeah. worry about packing that weight on Mac. Uh when right, you, you sign <laughs> your letter when, when you sign your letter of intent in the, you know, the first Wednesday of February 
you're going to get that Scott Cochran special FedEx to you, <laughs> and, and the weight will come. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. That's the plan. And but I talked to, a, like, some of the recruiting assistants that dealt with AJ. They were, like, they were kind of laughing about how similar we are, like, in personality and, like, our weight and stuff and our height, how we're both kind of tall, skinny guys. So it was just kind of funny that you brought that up. And, and Mac, I, I've heard other people compare you to A.J. McCarron. And I, before you came on the program, uh, I was basically saying he is the, the best quarterback, I think, of the modern era of Alabama football. And what I mean by that uh, is the 80s on. I, I think he's the best that I've seen. Uh, and I, how does it feel to be compared to someone with three national championship rings who almost won a four? Um, that's a pretty cool comparison and all, but, you know, Obviously, I haven't done anything yet at Alabama, so <laughs> I can't really say, you know, anything else. But if I was given a chance to be like him, that's just something that I wanted and kind of took – that's why I kind of committed. So just that opportunity to really just half the player that he was because I know he was – you know, obviously those games he won, championships and all that were just unbelievable times for Alabama. So it would be really cool to just be a part of that and kind of follow in his footsteps. And if I can be as good as him, that will be awesome. <laughs> And well, then Mac, Mac, I saw I wanted... an article. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Drew. No, okay. I was just going to uh, have one more thought on your process. You're, you're, you're committed to the University of Alabama, which is the number one football program in the country. But what I wanted to ask you, being from Bowles and playing for Corky Rogers, who's won well over 400 games, uh, won uh, 10 state championships, is really one of the most decorated high school coaches uh, that has ever uh, walked the sideline. You, you, you play for a, a kind of a mini version of Alabama with the program that you're coming from. Do you think that's going to help you transition uh, to the college level? Yes, sir. I mean, I think, it, I think it will make the transition a lot easier, but um, I think Bowles has done a good job, and Coach Rogers especially, just kind of, um, instilling like maturity in me and making me just a better player all around and better person. So I think Coach Saban and him kind of file, follow the same guidelines. So it'll be kind of interesting to see the transition, but I think that Coach Rogers and Bowles has helped me a lot. Well, Mac, one thing that I wanted to ask you about, because I think this will really, uh, you know, help educate the Alabama, you know, football fans out there about you as a player specifically I saw an interview that you did um, a couple of weeks ago where you talked about how you've come from a family of athletes. And I'd like to get you to kind of expand on that a little bit for the Alabama fans that are listening tonight. Tell us a little bit about the family of athletes that you come from. Um, We, you know, we're a family of five, and both my parents played uh, college my dad played college tennis at FSU and he played later on, he played in the pros for a little bit. And then my mom played tennis at Mercer. And then that's where I kind of got my athletic ability and stuff. And then I think my competitive, like competitive nature comes from my siblings because they've also played in college and growing up with them, like I was always the smallest one and we would compete like every single day, every day. I felt like it was my job to win because I was like the youngest and smallest and I would get so mad if I lost. So I think just them, kind of instilling that competitive nature into me um, really just kind of benefited my game. And and obviously they have the experience at the college level because they've both played, you know, tennis and soccer. So um, it's kind of interesting to hear what they have to say and how that they kind of brought me up being really competitive. 
and man, Mac, what I wanted to ask you about, man, that's some great stuff right there about your family and, and your lineage. Uh, but you, you're obviously not afraid to compete. Uh, uh, Tuo Vailoa had committed before you decided to uh, to flip from Kentucky to the University of Alabama. Uh, uh, you know he's a very high-profile athlete as well, and I know you know him well. You've competed against him in the combine setting and at camps. Uh, I guess, first of all, for our listeners, what are your thoughts on him and, and then about competing against him to try to be the quarterback at the University of Alabama? Uh, I think Tua like, is a great kid, and he comes from a really good family. So I think we have like similar backgrounds. Just Obviously, we live in completely different areas, and some other factors are different. But I think that both of us are really competitive, and we've always been competitive. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how we play out. But um, I think we're completely different players um, in regards to like style and stuff. Obviously, he can probably make more plays than me. But, um, you know, I'm a different type of player. I just kind of like to throw the ball and – kind of run the offense. So it'll be interesting to see us compete. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, getting to know him a lot better and just kind of keeping our relationship going. Yeah, that's uh, great stuff. And then and, and as far as what is the, what is your coach, the coaching staff told you as far as Nick Saban and, of course, Lane Kiffin played a big uh, part. Of course, he, he's the OCQB coach right now. Uh, as far as you do have a different style for, of Tua, but what have they told you about uh, your role coming in and then, of course, uh, in the quarterback situation at Alabama? Uh, I think Coach Saban really just told me that he wants someone that can just run the offense and do, like, mediocre things extraordinarily and not doing crazy stuff, uh, you know, and have something bad happen. So he just really wants that role player as a quarterback. So. I think he instilled that message to me and kind of made it seem like I was the guy. So I felt like that was a good fit there. And um, Coach Kevin obviously loved me and reached out to me after uh, Tua committed. Well, Mac, let me ask you this. Um, You know, you're kind of, uh, you know, rightfully or wrongly, I think a lot of people have kind of, you know, looked at you as as being the the in-house recruiter for this recruiting class. And, uh, you know, right now Alabama's got, you know, 15 or 16 commitments. You know, obviously you're one of two quarterbacks in this class. And when you sit back and you look around and you see a a running back um, that could spend three or four years behind you as the starting quarterback at Alabama and Najee Harris, uh, we've already talked about the the franchise, uh, you know, right tackle and Alex Leatherwood. What, what do you want to see Alabama do, and how do you want to see this recruiting class finish up? Where do you think the needs are? That you, you know, obviously, uh, you've been tasked with kind of, you know, helping them finish this class up. What, what do you want to see them finish up at, and where do you see the needs at in this class? Um, like you said, with like Najee and uh, Leatherwood and all them, just really just making sure that they're still committed because I think they're like very key pieces to the class, like Najee could be, like, in the NFL, like, right now. So, um, it's just kind of funny to see him, how he's just so good already, and he hasn't even gotten to college yet, so he can't really prove it yet. But, um, like, just watching him is awesome, and I can't wait to play with him. But um, really just for the rest of the class, just kind of whoever reaches out to me or, you know, has offers or stuff like that, you know, always reach out to them and say what's up to them and ask them if they have any questions or anything like that because, obviously, I love talking to people and, um, really just helping those kids out, trying to get the best players around us so we can be as successful as possible, with, especially with the good coaching. And, Mac, uh, I know uh, you're going to continue to work 
uh, and get better. What it, what what's kind of coming up on the itinerary for you in the next few weeks as you can continue to prepare for your senior season? Um, I've been really busy with like camps and stuff like that, so I think I'm kind of getting away from that now. I don't think there's too many more camps left and stuff, so I'll be focusing on my team a lot more. Um, really, just focusing on weightlifting and running routes with the guys after practice and before practice and stuff. Just kind of getting uh, prepared for the season on the field and off the field. So just getting ready for my senior year. And and, and as far as do you know, are you going to be a frequent visitor to the home games? Have you kind of thought about uh, the games you might be attending? And are, and I guess uh, the next question would be, uh, are, are you going to be an early enrollee and, and, go in, you know, and enroll in school in January? Um, for the games, I'm going to try and get up there, you know, as frequently as I can. But it's kind of tough with our schedule and how they match up. But I think I'll get to, like, at least two home games, hopefully, probably more, um, really just so I can get up there and get the whole game day experiment and just kind of meet some players and recruits. So it'll be interesting to get up there, hopefully more than two times. And uh, the graduating early part, we're working on now my school right now my school's not letting me but we're going to figure out a way around it and try and get it we're going to get it done i think so it'll be i'll be ready to go in january <laughs> yeah and uh mac i know uh that would be big for you and your development and i know you're looking forward to your senior season uh i know for us that uh we've we've, we've known about corky rogers program at bowls and uh the the sustained excellence we've already kind of talked about it uh, but I, I, along with yourself, you're a key cog in that program. Uh, but kind of talk about the expectations going into your senior season and uh, and uh, maybe some other guys for us to watch for. Maybe they, they might not be going to Alabama, but some uh, some of the student athletes that you play with that are going to uh, will likely be hearing from again, though. Um, I think this uh, upcoming season we have a lot of expectations because we have so many returning starters and we just got like almost a whole new O-line. We got a couple, you know, big kids, 6'4", 6'5", 300-pounders. So, <laughs> it'll be good. I think they were saying that we might have one of the better lines since back when John Theus and Nathan Heck played, who were all ACC and SEC tackles. So, hopefully I'll get that uh, settled in with them and try and get them, you know, ready to go. But uh, I've been playing with something fun, a little fun fact, is I've been playing with this kid, Amon Ross, who's on my team. He plays safety, and I've been playing with him since I was like four or five. So it's just kind of interesting to see how it's our last year and how much we really want to get out of the season. And whatever happens, happens. We both know that, you know, if we lose or something weird, crazy happens, that we really did enjoy our time together. And I think he'll end up at a good school. He's looking at some big SEC schools and a couple uh, ACC schools. So it should be uh, it should be a fun ride. And hopefully, you know, the rest of the team can find places at home and I think we have a few more kids who have some big offers and stuff, a couple more, like three or four, and then it's just me and Amon. So uh, hopefully we'll get to see them develop and we'll hopefully get a chance to go to state. And he's obviously uh, been someone that has continued to have sustained success and win year in and year out. Uh, I believe he's 72 years old. What makes Corky Rogers so special and enables him to continue to, com- to compete at such a high level and have his teams year in and year out be some of the best in the country? I really think Coach Rogers is just all about discipline and, you know, the little things that he focuses on, which makes, 
kind of the whole system work year after year, you know, being on time, which really means being there early. So, <laughs> but uh, wearing white socks, uh, you know, just stuff like that, that we can control. And he always says, like every day he says, you can control your attitude and effort. So, I mean, no matter what happens, you know, at school or with your girlfriend or anything like that, you can control those two things. And he always says, if you can control those, then you'll be successful. And I think that each year he does a good job of kind of instilling that uh, motivation in us um, just with those, you know, few words. But I think he's done a, had a great run and stuff, and it would really mean a lot to me if we got a chance to win, you know, state and kind of let him hopefully, you know, retire and have some time off. I think that he has a grandson that's uh, a year younger than me, and I've been playing with him since I was about six or seven. So it'll be cool to kind of see Mason is his name, to kind of see him, mm. you know, go out on a win at state with Coach Rogers as his grandson. So that would be a really cool uh, experience for me. Uh, there's no question about that, Mac. And I know uh, you're uh, firmly committed to the University of Alabama. Do you, you, but do you still plan on taking visits, or are you done with the recruiting process? Uh, I'm I'm done with it. Um, I mean, I'm just really excited that it's over. Honestly, it's been like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, these past months I've been on the road and stuff, and I'm just happy that I found the right place and that I can start recruiting others to come join us at Alabama. And they're, they're, it should be very exciting. And we appreciate you taking the time out to give us a few minutes and join us and, and give us uh, some insight uh, into your uh, process and how you got here. Uh, the Alabama Nation is very excited to have you part of it. As William said, he welcomed you into the fraternity during the conversation. But do you have a message for the Alabama fans out there that are listening tonight? Um, really just just try and, you know, keep tweeting at those guys, <laughs> um, the recruits and stuff like that, and just – Stay on those people. You guys do a really good job about keeping in touch with those guys and telling them how great Alabama is. So we all appreciate it on our end at the, you know, our commits already and some of the coaches obviously love it when y'all get on there and uh, help recruit people. So we appreciate that and we're looking forward to a good season. And uh, and finally, the uh, as far as we, with the Alabama coaching staff, I know you you, you you've uh, you've uh, met Lane Kiffin and started to bond with him. Who has been your lead recruiter, and, and what kind of relationship do you have with that coach? Um, I think Coach Saban's probably like my lead recruiter. Um, every That's time big. I, go, I always spend spend time with him. So. Well, that, that's a yeah, – that doesn't – you can't go any higher up the food chain than that. Uh, the uh, <laughs> Saban, who uh, is going to be on Mount Rushmore of college football coaches. Well, Mac, thank you, sir, for the time. We really appreciate you joining us tonight. It's been a fascinating conversation. Have a great rest of your evening, and uh, good luck this coming season. We're definitely going to be back in touch with you to see how you're doing, but we thank you for the time tonight on BAMS Radio. Thank you. I appreciate it, too. Thank you. That's Mac Jones. Uh, William, uh, fascinating conversation. Kid seems like he's really got his head on his shoulder, uh, straight on his shoulders, and really in a good place mentally and going to be a big part of this class. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I hope either you or Thomas captured his uh, cell phone number. Um, you know, I think it would be, uh, you know, a great thing going forward to, uh, you know, talk to him, probably more so off the record. Um, about what he's doing from a recruiting standpoint for Alabama, because uh, I think he's probably doing a lot more than we all know. Oh yeah, you, you're never gonna put you're never gonna put all your cards uh, out on the table, and it's it's interesting because 
uh, we everyone thought they would may only usually Coach Saban only brings in one quarterback per class, and uh, and but they've decided to bring in two because likely of the four scholarship QBs they've got on uh, campus, William. You know, you, you've uh, shared the info on Cooper Bateman and how. He's been less than impressive lately uh, at the Manning Passing Academy. And then you have David Cornwell, who struggled the last couple of springs. Blake Barnett, uh, who played better at the end of the spring, but struggled at the beginning. And then Jalen Hurts, what he's done. But you got to think two of those four will probably be moving on uh, by the time the next spring uh, moves, comes along. Yeah, and I think that's probably accurate. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know if the, you know, the, the, the two guys that most people think are going to, you know, move on are going to be the ones that actually do. But, you know, the, the thing that I took away from uh, the Mac Jones conversation, number one, is, is obviously this is a very mature kid. Um, you know, he's got his head screwed on straight. Uh, you know, he's, he's doing his work as far as, uh, you know, trying to recruit for the rest of this class. And, uh, you know, you, you heard him talk just as much as I did. Um, he sounds like he's a very grounded young man, uh, will fit in very well with the Nick Saban process. Um, you know, great guest. I can't even think of, of anything else to say about him. But um, it was great to get to, you know, spend a little bit of time with him and, uh, you know, hear his thoughts on, you know, what he thinks. Uh, the, the Nick Saban process is and what he's going to do the rest of the way as far as being a recruiter for the 2017 recruiting class. Yeah, he's going to be a big part of that. I don't think there's any doubt. And um, and, and I think uh, he's got the right attitude. He's not afraid to compete against Tua Tagovailoa. And, he, of course, he'll be coming in with young quarterbacks ahead of him already, Jalen Hurts and Blake Barnett. Uh, but it doesn't seem to deter him at all. And I think it's big that he's playing for Corky Rogers in a disciplined program, a great program at the Bowl School. He's used to winning and used to having to compete, and uh, I think that's going to serve him well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is, is that not where Tebow went? No, he, he went to Nice to... High School. Um, he, 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 was at, he was at Nice. And the reason Bowles is so familiar is uh, in, the, in, the ni- in the early 90s, William, as you remember, uh, it brought us uh, the uh, Sam oh, Matthews, God Chris Breyer, and, right. and Travis Carroll. <laughs> the three amigos. Yes, and they've still played for Corky Rogers. He, he's he been there since 1989, so he's uh, been coaching for a very long time. And before that, he's been a head football coach since 1972. He's His run, William, I saw his record today. I think it's 454 wins and 84 losses. I mean, it's – it's some outstanding stuff. Well, you know, the thing that stood out to me is, is obviously, uh, you know, Mac Jones is real comfortable talking to, you know, media outlets, number one. Um, you know, he, he's he got a plan. I think he's got a plan in place where, uh, you know, he's obviously talked to Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin, and, uh, you know, they've told him what they like about him, what he needs to work on. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, when, when you talk to a young man like that, that's, you know, at the beginning of his career, not the end, um, he really seems to have a good grasp on, you know, what it's like to be a Alabama football player, 
uh, you know, certainly the, um, you know, the, the, the add-ons that come in after your life as an Alabama football player with the business community. And, uh, you know, he seems very well-grounded, very humble. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tickled to death that we've got him and, and uh, look forward to seeing what he can do. Absolutely. Well, William, man, we appreciate you giving us about 45 minutes of your time tonight and talking some football with us and recruiting and helping us uh, with that outstanding interview with Mac Jones. We always uh, thank you for your contributions to BAMS Radio. Appreciate it. Uh, and uh, have a great Fourth of July with your family. I know I'm sure you'll, uh, it, you'll, uh, you're going to be on the road some this week. Safe travels, and uh, we'll be talking with you again next week, man. Thanks. I absolutely agree. Thank you. Thank you. That's William Redfish Barge, everybody. We're going to take our first and only break of this two-hour marathon. Let Thomas Watts take a little bit of a sabbatical. He's been, uh, you know, really being uh, uh, outstanding tonight, getting this show up and running. Uh, and we hope you enjoyed the Mac Jones interview. When we come back, we're going to hear from another member of this class, Thomas Fletcher from IMG Academy, the long snapper. Stay with us, BAMS Radio. Hour number two coming up.
That was a little Sweet Home Alabama, as I thoroughly enjoy my little production break. Welcome back to BAMS Radio, hour number two of our program. We just got done with a, quite frankly, a fantastic interview with Alabama quarterback commit Mac Jones. If you are just joining us, be sure to catch that on the podcast. I'm going to have to do a little bit of editing on the podcast, but you know it'll be up here you know, probably before, the, before midnight if you're you know, really, really desperate for your Alabama news fix. But we do still have another hour of show coming up. We've got uh, some audio from Thomas Fletcher, and we've got a visit with Rodney Orr. But, Drew, you know, I, I, I have to say it again, that great job on Mac Jones. That was, that was fantastic. Well, I hope our know, listeners liked it as much as I did. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, he's a guy, you know, I've been reading some interviews with him, watching some videos, and uh, he's a well, we knew he was a well-spoken kid and that he liked the recruiting process. And we we're just honored tonight to be joined by Mac and that he'd take the time to uh, come on with us and kind of give us a look behind the curtain at uh, how this came to pass and how he became a member of this Alabama class. And it says a lot about him that he wouldn't worry about uh, the depth chart, the young quarterbacks already on campus, and being a part of it with Tua uh, Tagovailoa and, uh, from Hawaii, who's a, an elite athlete, uh, that he would come be a part of this. And it's just it's very exciting, and uh, we wanted to thank him for joining us and and now we're going to hear from another member of that class, uh, the most recent commitment, the 15th member, uh, and that is IMG Academy long snapper Thomas Fletcher, uh, who via the state of Washington uh, and uh, with a small stopover in Texas has ended up at IMG. They recruited him for uh, a while. They targeted him. And he, for the last two years, has been evaluated by the Alabama staff, was offered after another standout performance at Alabama Special Teams Camp this June, and then uh, after getting that offer, committed to Coach Saban, and is going to be, along with Ryan Paris, who has been uh, on this show as well from James Clemens, well, those two guys will battle it out when Cole Mazza uh, completes his eligibility after this season. Cole, of course, uh, is going to be a four-year starter for the Tide. Could Thomas Fletcher take the uh, the baton from him and be another four-year starter? But uh, this is the interview I had. Uh, with Thomas Fletcher, the top-rated snapper in the United States. Thomas Fletcher, uh, the long snapper. Thomas, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for taking the time out to join us. I know the last 24 hours has been pretty hectic for you, uh, but a big-time decision for you. Uh, You were the top-ranked long snapper in the United States of America, and you had a lot of uh, big-time suitors uh, coming after you. Uh, and I know you were in a very fortunate position because, but what I've enjoyed about watching and I've been in the recruiting business for a long time, but what's been amazing to see is now what value is placed and it's for the elite players at long, at long snapper and at, at place kicker and punter, they are going to get offers from a lot of major schools and uh, you put in a lot of hard work, my friend, and uh, it really came to fruition for you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, uh, it, uh, and go ahead. It was, it was the longest process that you can imagine. I mean, it's a lot different getting recruited as a specialist mm-hmm. than it is as a receiver or running back, anything like that. And so, like, I'm going sign G with all these guys who, I mean, you send your film out to anyone and you're getting 20, 30 offers, I mean, just based on talent. My whole deal was I had to be seen in person right. by absolutely anybody that was going to offer me. And so that was – that was a lot of traveling over the past three years, but it's made it all worth it. Yeah, it really has. And I guess for the, our listeners that may not be as familiar with your journey, 
uh, I guess, kind of talk about uh, where where it started for you and how you reached this point uh, to get to IMG. So I had been getting recruited by IMG at the end of my freshman year, mm-hmm. and it was just a snap. It wasn't to play anything else, and so that was kind of a point where I realized that if I want to play at the highest possible level of football, it's not going to be playing receiver or linebacker or anything like that. It's going to be snapping. And so that was kind of when it clicked for me, and I completely dedicated everything about what I was doing in football to snapping. And I started working with uh, Chris Rubio, the guy who actually runs Alabama Specialist Camp. Mm-hmm. And I started working with him, and I went to his my first camp with him in January, my freshman year. And since then, I've been to probably 15 of his uh, of his personal camps and then another 25 or 30 college camps. And I did mine a lot earlier than most other people because this is the time of year that specialists usually get recruited going into their senior year. Mm-hmm. But I went to probably 15 college camps this time last year mm-hmm. just in an effort to get my name out early. And it has it has more than paid off. Yeah, it really has. and. Uh, you obviously performed very well at uh, Alabama Specialist Camp a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I, I and you and you had a lot of really good offers. You based uh, was the final three really uh, Alabama, Florida State, and Oregon. Uh, yeah, I'll put I put it pretty equal between Oregon and Texas A and M as well. Okay, Texas A&M was up there, and then uh, also uh, you're but you are originally to let everyone know you are you are originally from the West Coast, correct? Yes, sir. I'm from uh, Washington State. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, but you had moved, I think, last year to Texas. Yeah, I moved in July to Texas last year, and then I moved to IMG in January of this year. Mm, so you've been, and so I, I guess for everyone's heard of IMG and the the powerhouse they've kind of built in the last couple of years. What has it been like for you to be a part of that program? I absolutely love playing at IMG. I love playing with guys who I know are NFL caliber dudes and they are 17 years old. And it's really been a good thing for me to have because if I ever need advice on how to go about the recruiting process, how to go about really anything, those guys have been through it tenfold already. I mean, we've got Dylan Moses, one of our linebackers, who's been in this type of spotlight since he was in the eighth grade. I mean, if you can get better advice from anyone, I haven't found it. Yeah, that's a great point, and he he has been uh, ranked very highly since, as you said, in the eighth grade, been on the front of magazines, and uh, been a high-profile guy. And with you, uh, when you, as you said, your recruiting process is still different. You have to be evaluated in person. I guess uh, just kind of talk about the visits you got to go on. Uh, you got the, the, your top four; they're all powerhouses, all have uh, outstanding facilities. But kind of in the end, for you, what set Alabama apart? My my biggest thing with Alabama was it, as culturally different as it is, geographically it reminds me of the Pacific Northwest mm. and the fact that it's got the greenery, the mountains, the water, all that sort of stuff. And I grew up fishing, going to the lake, all that sort of stuff. And that's from everything I've gathered, uh, activities that a lot of the Alabama football players and a lot of Alabama students take part in. And so if I was able to go to a school that I had somewhat a remnant of being home, 
but be able to play in the SEC for a powerhouse program like Alabama, it, there's no other combination like that. And then uh, what was it like interacting and how they recruited you as far as uh, with their staff during the specialist camp? Well, I guess what, what my question is, when you were there a couple of weeks ago, was that your first visit to Alabama? <laughs> no, my first visit to Alabama was the specialist camp the year before. Okay, so they'd already seen you. Yes, sir. And uh, when I was there the year before, Coach Saban had said, you know, you're at this point right now, you are not big enough to block SEC guys. That's just the reality of where we're at. Mm. If you back in a year and snap again, but you got to put on weight, you got to get stronger, you got to do all these things. If you meet these goals, and he kind of sent me a list of tangible goals, if you can meet these, then there is a possibility that we can offer you. But the work has to be done on my part, not theirs. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm sure that was a motivation for you. And uh, you, you obviously uh, did the job getting bigger and then performing. What was uh, what was it like getting the phone call from Coach Saban and getting the offer? It was fantastic. Coach Saban offered me in person. So oh, wow. Was, so he actually did it in oh, yeah. person. Yes, sir. He did it in his office. And it was that was a special moment for me because the year prior to that, I had sat in front of him on his couch with him telling me that he wasn't going to do it. And, I mean, that was that was a turning point for me. I gained 55 pounds between that camp a year ago and this camp a couple weeks ago. And that was that was huge for me to go from being told that I wasn't, that I wasn't going to get offered to being told that I met all the goals that he had set for me and that he would. And then uh, in talk about I, I'm glad you brought up Chris Rubio as well. I know he's so instrumental in the process. And, his uh, he, as you said, he runs Alabama specialist camps and – uh, just and talk about uh, you know what he's meant to you in your development as a long snapper because he had some very strong comments about you think saying that you may be the best that he's ever evaluated. He has been fantastic for me throughout the entire process. That guy, his biggest thing is he is a lot like Coach Saban in the way he evaluates things and the fact that every time you see him, he has something else that he can tweak or that you can fix in order to get better. And so that just keeps not only me, but everyone that he works with, every time they come back to him, they've improved in some way. And that was huge for me because, I mean, he keeps you he keeps you grounded. He keeps from, you from thinking, that, you know, oh, I'm good enough now. You know, I can pull up, anything like that. No, he keeps you straight in the fact that you might think that you're doing really well, and he'll remind you that you're not. So he's been absolutely fantastic for me and for everyone that I've, been around that's involved with Ruby along snapping through the entire process. And I know you had a chance maybe to see him a little bit at the specialist camp, and uh, you I'm sure you've known him uh, because you guys run in the same circles in a lot of ways, but we had him on the program a couple weeks ago after he committed. Uh, kind of talk about what Alabama's getting in Brandon Ruiz, the kicker punter uh, from Gilbert, Arizona. Brandon Ruiz is a phenomenal kicker. I mean, he's one of those guys that when you watch him, in camp, he's not going to be super powerful, like hitting the ball and, you know, you're jumping back out of your seat like some guys are. The difference with him is he has a combination of power and accuracy, which is the biggest thing because if you watch him kick, he just doesn't miss. It doesn't matter where he's kicking from. If you set him up on the field, I'm I'm surely confident you've got a 99% chance of the ball going through the uprights. And then – uh, with your situation, uh, how big a decision, a factor in decisions did it, did it have for 
I guess it's two parts. One, uh, that Cole Mazza is a senior at Alabama, and four years ago they gave him a full-ride scholarship. And two, he, much like yourself, he came all the way across the country uh, to play his football as he's from Bakersfield, California. The big part about Cole being a senior for me is it, I think, opened up the door for Alabama to offer me because mm. they I don't see them having two snappers on scholarship at the same time. And so had Cole been a different year I don't think the process would have played out the way it did so that was that was big time for me and he's been huge just in talking to him because he and I talk all the time and I talk with Carson Tinker all the time about I mean Carson's obviously from Alabama so it was different for him but with Cole and the culture difference of leaving I've already been through culture change and moving from Washington to Texas right moving from Texas to Florida so it would definitely be much easier of a transition for me than it was for Cole, but still having Cole there as just someone to talk to about the process has been fantastic. And then with Carson Tinker, you know his story, and uh, he means so much to the Alabama community, and now he's even made the transition and been able to establish himself on the pro level. Uh, Just kind of talk about your relationship with Carson Tinker. I talked to Carson this morning. I talked to Carson yesterday, the day before that. He's He's a fantastic dude as much as he is a fantastic football player. And, I mean, that guy, I mean, you talk about a football player who can snap, not a snapper who can play football. In fact, he's fantastic in everything that he does. He's a very professional dude, and he has been a great role model for me as well as a great outlet for me to talk to because, I mean, talk about going through everything he has been through absolutely everything you can go through. I mean, you guys know that. And so he's been he's been absolutely fantastic. And then, Thomas, uh, I guess for the listeners, you, you talked about gaining 50-plus pounds in a year. What is your current height and weight? 6'2", uh, 220. Oh, wow. So you've, uh, you've really uh, grinded and have been able to transform your body. And, and, and also, uh, with what you've been able to do transferring to IMG, uh, I, I assume you're going to uh, that you're going to continue uh, with an accelerated academic plan and enroll early in Alabama. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I know you've got to be looking forward to that and uh, being able to uh, kind of uh, take the torch from uh, from Cole Mazza. But what are you looking forward to the most at IMG this year? You're going to be playing with one of the best teams in the country. I'm looking forward. I mean, more than of playing football, which the football part is great, but, I mean, just going through practice, mm-hmm. living in the dorms, being with all the guys at school, I absolutely love my teammates. I mean, they are all just as fantastic guys as they are fantastic football players. I mean, IMG is special in the fact that they're not just going to recruit anybody because they're a great ball player. They're going to recruit anybody because not only they're great, but they're a great human being as well. And so that, that combination – and the way that they recruit makes our team culture just so special. Absolutely. And and I know you're going to continue to grind and get better at your craft at uh, IMG and then on to the University of Alabama. We want to thank you for taking the time to join uh, Talking Ball today. And do you have a message for the Tide Nation here in Alabama? I'll just roll Tide, and I can't wait to be a part of it. Absolutely, man. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Congratulations on your decision. Alrighty, that was Thomas Fletcher, courtesy of Drew D. Armand from Talking Ball. You know, it's funny if you listen to both of our shows, you will hear a smattering of each show. 
you'll hear it twice in some cases. Not a bad thing though, Drew, but you know, great interview and good find again. You're you are you are officially killing this show. In turn. Well, I appreciate it, man, and we love uh connecting with the young men who decide to come to the University of Alabama and uh it's a it's always great to hear from them and kind of see Thomas, you know, what they've gone through in the recruiting process to ultimately choose Alabama. It is the best football program in America, but these these kids still they have a lot of choices out there and you always it's always fascinating to hear their story. Certainly. And you know, I think I think they're two interesting stories. I think there's some interesting like the commonalities between, you know, how the guy, how the the te- how both Fletcher and Mac Jones, uh, the team aspect of everything is fascinating. I think that it, it's, it bodes well. I mean, obviously, if there's one person on planet Earth that will dot their I's and cross their T's in terms of recruits and what they're getting into, it's Nick Saban. So, you know, there's, it, it's, good, it's good, I guess, that there are no red flags to us either. So. You know, it, it, everybody. I think it's just it's a good it's a good spot to be in. You know, one of those things you talk about Alabama having guys the cat like the talent level of these young men, but they're good people too. You know, it, it's just it's a good situation. It's a good situation for Alabama fans because the product being put on the field is uh, going to be exceptional. But good folks too. So good good stuff. Good, Absolutely, good stuff. it's a uh, good stuff. And and uh, speaking of that good stuff, Thomas. Uh, you know, we have the audio on this show. Greg Goff, uh, the new baseball coach at the University of Alabama, uh, looks like his coaching staff may be uh, completed on field. Uh, not quite what we thought uh, from the standpoint of how the responsibilities might be doled out, uh, but it looks like Greg Goff is going to follow in the footsteps of Jim Wells, who was very successful when he did it, but is going to be his own pitching coach. And he was, of course, for four years the pitching coach in the SEC for the Kentucky Wildcats for Keith Madison, their longtime coach. But uh, he has brought Jake Wells, his uh, hitting coach uh, and lead assistant from Louisiana Tech, uh, but he will not be the hitting coach at the University of Alabama. He will work with catchers and be the recruiting coordinator. He has made a major hire uh, from Sean Allen. It looks it looks as though that is going to come to fruition. Uh, who uh, is was the uh, recruiting coordinator and hitting coach uh, for the Tulane Green Wave? He will be the hitting coach, I believe, at the University of Alabama, and uh, and be the assistant head coach and work with the infielders. Uh, he's known as one of the nation's best recruiters, but he uh, he his Tulane team swung the bat really well this year. They finished second in the regional uh, to the uh, Mrs. Or excuse me uh, to uh, in their regional to the East Carolina Pirates. Uh, out in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, and uh, uh, they, uh, they they had a very good year under David Pierce. And ironically, uh, David Pierce, the head coach at Tulane, was announced today officially as the Texas Longhorns' new coach. He was in the final three for Alabama. So looks like Greg Goff has put together a good coaching staff. And I know you liked what you heard uh, from Coach Goff when uh, we had that audio on uh, Bams Radio. Certainly. And, you know, as you as you bring up Sean Allen, I pulled up his Tulane bio, which that's the first time I've been to a Tulane website since I was a student there over 10 years ago. But, uh, you know, again, just a quick breeze through. He seems like a, a real solid guy. And your Tulane numbers, I, I, I had read over those previously. And so it, it feels, again, going back to the good feelings of the recruits, it feels like baseball's in a better spot. And, if there's one thing I would like to avoid with this staff, it is the near constant uh, 
unless it's Georgie Salem going otherworldly in terms of like offensive production, the fan base is slamming their collective heads against a wall because the hitting just wasn't there. I mean, that's what that's what I hope that this staff can avoid because it was there were times where it was just tough. It was tough well, to watch, tough to read about. Put it to you that way. <laughs> I think anybody that's been listening to this show a while has heard me go on a rant or two. <laughs> Just a and, and, and including one that was a real-time rant as I was watching a game doing Bounds Radio uh, <laughs> when things started to go just horrifically bad. And uh, I, I went on like a five-minute tirade of basically why the coaching staff needed to all be fired, which they have been and deserved it. No offense. Uh, but uh, I, I, And I did not really want, honestly, uh, for any of Gaspard's assistants to be retained either. Andy Phillips been there done that Alabama has lost some recruits that Phillips uh, had a very close relationship with like Tanner Burns he flipped from Alabama to Auburn from Decatur Uh, they've also lost Jordan Anderson from James Clemens but as I told some people if I had to trade a couple of recruits to get rid of Andy Phillips who was a great player at Alabama but the worst hitting coach I've probably ever seen in my life I'll take it Uh, because as you know you're you're a baseball aficionado, as is your better half, Ashley Ware, and there's a lot of baseball players out there, Thomas, on the high school and junior college level. Two ain't gonna make a team. Two is not gonna make a team. Neither. How do you and how do you divide the scholarships, which is a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a, it's something that's gonna be interesting to see how Coach Goff attacks, and they have received a commitment as well, and. Just to preview it for those of that may uh, frequent both shows, but we'll definitely have it on BAM's radio next week. We'll bring you that audio. We'll have you some audio. I will be speaking tomorrow with the first commitment under Greg Goff from Coleman High School, third baseman pitcher Noah Fondren, uh, who will be joining us at, on Talking Ball, and we will bring you that next week on BAM's radio. Well, I have to say I'm looking forward to that. Drew, while, while I'm working Rodney, I do have one question for you, though. Um, sure, no problem. It's, it's back in the realm of football, but uh, you, you didn't know this, but my appearance on your show earlier this week caused a little bit of, I don't want to say consternation, but people were surprised that I was as vehement as I was, that I think USC is coming in for a hell of a beating just because of how lopsided I view the Alabama offensive line versus the USC defensive line matchup. What are your thoughts on the game? Because I, I feel like I'm in the minority, but I'm just curious what you think. You know, kind of turn the tables on you, if we, if you will. Uh, you know, I, it's I, I do think I'm a, I'm more nervous about the game than you are, Thomas. Um, I think with their offensive line, with Neil Callaway knowing Coach Saban, uh, you know, with their skill guys led by Juju Smith, uh, they have a talent. They have a talented one-two punch at tailback. Of course, they have some uncertainty at QB, uh, but and they have a talented back seven. It's still Southern California. Their talent level is much, much better uh, than it has been the last couple of years. I still don't think they're as deep or as good as Alabama, but it's a one-shot deal. Alabama has some uncertainty at quarterback. I do think Alabama is going to win uh, the football game. I just don't think it's going to be by two or three scores. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, it, it, yeah, probably within a touchdown to 10 points is the way I would, uh, I would envision it. Almost like some of their openers against Virginia Tech uh, back in, in 2009. That was a very tough football game, though they went on to go undefeated and win the national championship. 
and uh, in 2013. Uh, they, uh, they, they started, uh, uh, you know, really well. You know, Christian Jones had that breakout game. Uh, but uh, again, it, it just it's going to depend on a lot of things. But uh, they didn't, uh, and we know Alabama should have finished the drill that year, uh, but did not. But again, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out because uh, I just really think it's a dangerous opener, but it's still one that Alabama should handle if they have the leadership uh, that I think they do. And uh, but we're just, we're just going to have to see how that all uh, you know. It's every year the team is different and. Of course, they've had a little bit of uh, off-the-field trouble with Cam Robinson, but as we've, that, as we've uh, pointed out, that should have resolved itself, and I think we all expect him to be in the lineup, and they're going to need him against Southern Cal. Certainly, and, and I don't mean to say that it's not USC's a bad football team. It's just that, and for listeners that missed my appearance, I'll just I'll distill it down before we bring Rodney Orr on. What killed me looking at that team is, the entire the entire USC defensive line is rotation players, and their best player tore his ACL in the spring. So you have an entirely new group of defensive linemen that has to stand up to a very talented, now going to be completely composed because Cam Robinson's in the mix, Alabama offensive line, and I just don't think they're going to be able to sustain against that sort of pressure. But you know that's that's why they that's they 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 do this thing between the white lines where they throw footballs around and run footballs to see which one of these loons on the radio is right. That's half the fun of our job. <laughs> Absolutely, it's going to be very interesting to to follow it and see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I'm very anxious to see. Uh, uh, you know, uh, just I, I, really with this, if Lane Kiffin can pull the rabbit out of the hat for a third straight year, and if he does, I don't expect him to be back at Alabama. Agreed. Well, the only thing that kept, I would argue, the only thing that kept him here this year was the still perception of him being toxic as a head coach. But at some point, the extraordinary levels of production are going to trump that whole ethos, and he's going to get himself a head coaching job. It's just a matter of time to me if he keeps doing what he's been doing. Yeah, absolutely. He's on the right track, and I think that's why he stayed here a third year. Many people didn't think, including myself, that he would be here a third season, and he's just waiting for the right opportunity uh, to be a head football coach. There's no doubt uh, about that uh, with uh, with uh, Lane Kiffin, and he's uh, he'll probably get one if you continue to win. He's had issues off the field, but uh, people uh, they uh, winning uh, just uh, cures a lot of things. And we are now joined by Rodney Orr, uh, the founder and owner of TiderInsider.com, dot uh, com, uh, on the uh, Sun Belt Ten Hotline. Rodney, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing uh, well, Drew Thomas. How are you guys? Doing well, man. And uh, how are you doing tonight? And I, I guess I just wanted to start up and, and get your thoughts. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about it a little bit about this opener. How do you see Alabama matching up with Southern Cal? It's it's early. We still got to have some issues play out in fall camp. But uh, this just based upon what Southern California has returning and and uh, what Alabama does. What are your just your early thoughts on the game? Well, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I have not looked extremely closely at USC yet. Um, I, I know that they've got. Uh, you know, obviously, several new coaches with Clay Hilton, and I think that they've got a new, uh, a different focus now. I think defensively, they're going to be a lot more aggressive than what they have been, and and all of those things. And I know that they've recruited a lot of talent, obviously, over the last few years, and you know, have, have had some extremely uh, outstanding recruiting classes. So they're a team that athletically 
they may not be as deep as Alabama, but they have some tremendous athletes that uh, USC has a lot of pride. I mean, they're a traditional team. They're, they're one of the top, you know, ten traditional teams in the country. They're one of the top five or six traditional teams in the country for sure. And so, you know, they, they've got a lot of pride. And, and uh, I know that Neil Calloway is on the offensive side is doing a uh, kind of a uh, transforming that offensive line into a very physical mindset. Uh, that that that's kind of his goal. And I think he's really from what I understand, he's really pleased with what he's, you know, the progress he's seen up front on their offensive line. Um, you know, I know that they've got two young quarterbacks that, that don't have a lot of experience. They have some tremendous athletes at, at wide receiver. I know that, you know, Juju Smith and Adoree Jackson are tremendous talents. What's the running back's name? Ronald Williams out of Texas. It's so explosive, uh, tremendous player. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, they're really athletic. They're talented. Uh, you know, the question for me as Alabama heads into that August camp, let's not go to the opener, let's go to August camp, but as, as Alabama uh, heads into August camp, you know, there's a ton of questions offensively. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, again, we, we, we think possibly Cam Robinson may be back, which is obviously mm-hmm. news, news at left tackle. Uh, we're really not sure what else is set on the offensive line. We think Pierce Baker had a great spring. We think he's probably going to be the center. You know, Lester Cotton's at left guard at the end of spring. Not really sure if he's going to stay there. I think they feel like that his best is the best fit maybe at that position, but we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Then at right guard, you have Brandon Kennedy, who ended up number one in the spring, a, tr- a redshirt freshman. And then, of course, Shank Taylor, who started 15 games last year at right guard who had a weight issue. I haven't heard anything on that lately. Uh, and then at right tackle, you have to replace Dominic Jackson, and it could well be a true freshman, Jonah Williams, who is a tremendous talent, by the way. So, uh, again, I think there's a lot of question marks up front. You're, you're replacing your great running back, the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Derrick Henry. You know, Bo Scarborough probably has as much ability just natural athletic ability as any running back Alabama's had, maybe even more athletic ability than any running back Alabama's had uh, since Saban's been here. Uh, he's a tremendous talent, uh, very gifted runner. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. He's, he's a guy that can line up in the slot. He can line up out wide. Even. I mean, he's got tremendous hands. He can catch the football really well. Uh, you know, but we don't know, can he, can he endure a season? Uh, can uh, You know, he's a guy that's uh, had a couple of knee injuries and, uh, we'll see, you know, exactly how Bo, Bo can, uh, you know, how he holds up through camp. Uh, then after that, Damien Harris is a guy that did not probably have a great freshman year. Uh, but, they, you know, he was somewhat limited in terms of opportunities, put into some situations where late in games where they knew the defense knew they could tee off. But I thought he had a really good spring. He's looked much better in, in, uh, in, in the A day. Uh, so we'll see there. Josh Jacobs, B.J. Emmons, a couple of freshmen that I've heard reported in really good shape. Uh, I think Emmons is, what, 225-plus, maybe closer to 230. And then uh, and got tremendous speed, by the way, and quickness and all elusiveness. Very physical player. And Josh Jacobs came in around 210 uh, is what I'm told. And so I think he's a guy that eventually is – you know, he's going to have a role. I don't know about on this this year's team, but certainly, you know, in terms of depth, those two freshmen are probably going to be needed. 
Um, you know, defensively, I think Alabama's going to be strong up front. We've talked about all those guys. I think this could be as good a defense as, as last year's, maybe in a different way. It might be a lot faster, more athletic. You know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think if you're just looking at the two teams, you would have to say Alabama certainly is uh, deserving of being the favorite. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see how they get through uh, August camp and how they look offensively heading into the to the opener against USC. Before I yeah, really there's no question. Much. Yeah, exactly. And and just a small correction, uh, my fault as well. It is Ronald Jones from Texas. He Ronald is. Jones, you're right, I'm Roger. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. he is he is very explosive and a good looking player. And it looks like they're going to change their offense a little bit under Clay Helton. You know, Thomas talked about that on my show earlier this week about trying to go back to running the football and. It's going to be interesting because a lot of people don't have success against Alabama, but, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt will be in his first game calling the signals for the Tide. And I'm I'm just fascinated to see some of the position battles uh, Rod, for Alabama, as you said, on the O-line, Rodney, but also in the secondary because, you know, uh, just uh, just uh, hearing here the buzz coming out of spring, it's like, it sounded like a redshirt junior Anthony Averett had done a very nice job and was pushing uh, – for maybe a starting position, and it might allow Minka Fitzpatrick to stay at the nickel. And then, uh, of course, this was before Maurice Smith, uh, who has not officially left the program, but he's looking for a place to play, it sounds like, uh, to maybe play his last season as a graduate transfer, perhaps, uh, to the University of Miami. But it would give uh, other young players a chance. Uh, We do think Tony Brown will face some sort of suspension. We don't know how long that will be, uh, but it would give – other players uh, like a Kendall Sheffield, who everybody was, uh, you know, watching closely this spring. We'll see how much he's improved. A freshman like Jared Maiden, who I know you and I are both high on uh, from Satchez, Texas, gives him a chance uh, uh, to compete. And, and maybe even Deontay Thompson, who uh, moved from uh, back to safety after spending his freshman year as a last fall wide receiver. All those guys have talent, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of where the pieces fit. Yeah, you mentioned Averett, and I think he had a really good spring. There's a chance that he could win that, that spot over there. And um, I, I think also got to watch true freshman. be interesting to see is Aaron Robinson out of Florida. I think, you know, he's a guy that could compete as a – he'll start out at corner, I think. I'm pretty sure about that. But uh, he's a guy that's versatile enough to play a bunch of different positions back there. So that'll be interesting. And I think when you look back deep, You've got Eddie Jackson, who missed some of uh, spring with the, an issue, but uh, came back strong. And then Deontay Thompson, as you mentioned, got got a lot of work in his absence and really had a really good spring. That was good for him because, you know, he come in came in as a true freshman, went through spring practice, and then was switched to uh, wide receiver last year. So moving him back to his uh, original position safety and seeing him do so well was a really big encouragement I think for him and at least in terms of as you look forward to the future but um you know Ronnie Harrison um certainly a guy that did a fantastic job last year in their dime package and uh he's got a bright future so they've got a lot of talent back there uh Drew Shy Carter you mentioned him I think and another freshman and so I just think that uh you know, when you look at the secondary, they're very athletic. I think the linebackers are question marks inside in terms of depth, maybe, uh, experience depth for sure. 
Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how far along Rashawn Evans has come since spring when he made 32 tackles in three scrimmages, 17 in the 8A game. Um, but, uh, you know, if he can continue to progress, you've got Reuben Foster, Sean Deion Hamilton, you know, Keith Holcomb. So that, you know, maybe we'll see some one of the other redshirt freshmen, Adonis Thomas has worked inside, uh, Joshua McMillan's worked inside. And I'll tell you a guy that I'm really interested in seeing, I'm, I'm interested to see Anthony Jennings this, this fall to see, you know, he had an excellent spring last, uh, this past spring as a Jack linebacker, but there's been a lot of talk about him moving to defensive end. And, uh, I think he's going to be a really superb player. Uh, and, and I understand while we're talking about the defensive line, I understand Josh Frazier has, has really lost some weight, Drew. You know, we've talked about that, about the importance of him being in shape, because if he can get in shape, He's got a chance to be a really, you know, solid contributor there in terms of, you know, adding some 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 quality depth. Yeah, Rodney, I'm glad you brought that up because I saw some pictures of him the other day uh, that I think he had put out on Twitter or Facebook or uh, social media, and it looks like it was a significant loss. Like maybe he's getting down around the low 300s, and you know how good a prospect he was coming out of Springdale, Arkansas and the potential that everyone saw but with the, from him as a freshman, if the light proverbially has come on for him, he could be a breakout guy on the D-line. And when you put him next to Deron Payne, uh, that could be quite a combination going into this season. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, they'd give you two big in- interior guys that, uh, you know, have, uh, could be a force. Uh, and that's certainly something that they need. And, um you know, they they certainly need that. They're not going to have quite the depth they had last year, but uh, hopefully Josh uh, Josh Frazier will continue to progress. And then, um, you know, you have obviously Deshaun Hand, Jonathan Allen, um, Dalvin Tomlinson's a guy that's going to be counted on heavily. This could be a really big year for him. Um, so, and then, it, like I said, if, if Anthony Jennings has moved down to, to defensive end, that'll give them another quality uh defensive line prospect, so to speak. And then, you know, you never know what you're going to get from the newcomers. Uh, Jamar King is supposed to be in, hopefully, by the start of camp uh, from junior mm-hmm. college. And then, you know, Raekwon Davis, hopefully, is is uh, A-OK to go. And if he is, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if he can give them some reps. And, and Quentin Williams from Winona is a, obviously an outstanding prospect. I don't know if he's ready to play this year or not, but uh, in terms of does he need to get bigger and stronger, those types of things. But um, certainly those are three guys to keep an eye on. Well, and, and with William brought up a, 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 someone else in the class, now it's going to be hard for him to play a significant role because, uh, quite frankly, if those two young guys stay healthy as far as Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson, it might be the best duo of outside linebackers in the Nick Saban era. But he talked about Terrell Hall, somebody that maybe people hadn't really been talking a lot about that has a lot of ability. Tremendous ability. And, you know, I, I remember when I talked to Terrell probably – I don't remember exactly when it was. It might have been April or March or April. He was about 255. I think it was in April. He was about 255. Uh, got the body like Sean Hill, it seems, that he could probably get bigger. Um, and uh, But I haven't really heard – you know, what he is right now. I uh, haven't really picked up anything on him where he might end up playing. Is he going to stay at Jack linebacker to start out? Is he going to be, 
you know, eventually become a defensive end. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, he is definitely a tremendous prospect. Yeah, he is. He really is, Rodney, and looking forward to that. And, and speaking of recruiting, uh, we know you gave uh, an update this week on kind of where the class was on TiterInsider.com. You know, we talked to Mac Jones tonight before you came on in hour number one, uh, the quarterback from the Bowl School. Corky Rogers, Rodney, still going strong. Uh, the head football wow. coach there since 89, and uh, he's uh, he's been a head football coach, Rodney, since 1972. He has won 454 high school football games and 10 state titles. Uh, just a, an amazing run for Corky Rogers. Wow. Yeah, that is. I, I, I've spoken to him before few times back when uh you remember was it uh, what was it the 97 class when they had tra- Sam uh, Chris Ryer and Sam Matthews and Travis Carroll you know that team back then they had so many Sharon Dorsey was a, was another player they had oh, a, yeah. they had a receiver went on to play receiver in the NFL I can't remember his name uh but he was a he was a talent as well Antonio Roundtree was a little kick returner corner they had uh that team Roundtree was loaded when I remember Yep. Loaded yes. with talent. Yeah, they were loaded. You're, there's no doubt about it. And, and they still are. He continues at, at age 72 to go strong. And uh, he's coaching wow. his grandson, who is a Mason, who is a teammate of Max. Well, that's tremendous. That's a, a great story there. Tremendous story. Yeah, no doubt, Rod. And, and I admire him for being able to do it at 72 years old. Yeah, no question about that. And, and Rodney, uh, I guess for – for our listeners really quickly, and as far as the recruiting roundup, um, it's interesting. We, we know they've got Mac Jones now into a Tago Vailoa, uh, the quarterbacks, and uh, uh, but uh, they've got two outstanding running backs committed in Hillcrest Tuscaloosa's uh, Brian Robinson and, of course, Najee Harris, some believe the number one player in America. But you spoke to another uh, running back this week who could ultimately be a part of the class, if you know, depending on how things fall. Well, uh, yeah, J.K. Dobbins from out in Texas, uh, LaGrange, Texas. I like him a lot. He he reminds me of so many different guys. He's got he's real sudden. He's got good size. I think five ten, two ten. Because he told me he told us he was up to two ten, and uh, right. he's he's really sudden. I mean, he's quick. He's elusive. He's, he's he, he runs with some power. Uh, kind of reminds you some of Ingram, but look faster. I think. Uh, but he, he kind of reminds you, reminds you some of Ingram. He reminds you, I tell you, he really kind of reminds me of sometimes, too, is when I watch his tape. You know who popped in my mind? Former Auburn running back, Brent Fullwood. Oh, you interesting. Were, Blast from the past. You remember how explosive Fullwood was. And he, he kind mm-hmm. of reminds me, in a way, of, of Fullwood uh, when I was just watching. Uh, really liked J.K. Dobbins a lot. He's committed to Ohio State. Really didn't want to talk about other schools, but he did admit that. He was very excited and uh, called the Alabama offer huge that he recently picked up. And uh, he, he, he did say that, uh, you know, he, he spoke highly of Alabama and Nick Saban. But, uh, you know, again, he's, he's committed to Ohio State, but the process is a long one. And, uh, you know, I, I think Alabama right now feels really good about where they are with Najee Harris from what I, what I understand today and over the past few weeks since he came to camp. But I talked to someone today who still felt – really confident about where they are with Najee Harris. And, of course, Brian Robinson's a talent. They might may take that third back. I know that they've looked at the kid from DeMatha up in uh, Hydesville, Maryland, Anthony McFarland. Yeah, Anthony McFarland. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's a few others that obviously that they are looking at in, in the event they do take a third back, and you know we'll see, we'll see. It could be that that would be very interesting. And of course, Mac Jones spoke highly of Jerry Judy, uh, Devontae Smith, Nico Collins. So are the wide receivers he's been able to uh, work out with and throw to, and he's very excited about their futures and who they're recruiting. Uh, but uh, the tight end situation is interesting because. Zeke Bird of Stanhope Elmore is someone in state that I know Alabama has an interest in, uh, but I know there's a couple other targets that could develop. And I was just looking at how the numbers would work, Rodney, because I've heard 27, 28 prospects. Uh, in your mind, how many tight ends do you see this being in this class? Well, I, you know, I really don't know yet. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to probably be at least still one for sure. Uh, right. You mentioned you mentioned Bird. Out of Stanhope, Elmore is a possibility. And Jimmy Jaggers out of California, which, you know, so a lot of people expect him to go to USC, but, you know, he had a good visit to Alabama. And I'll tell you a guy to watch, too, is Major Tennyson out of Bullard, Texas, who's committed to Texas. I mean, he's made it clear that he's looking around. He's taking visits. He was at Georgia recently. He's, 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 he's even said he's coming to Alabama in July for a visit. So, uh, you know, I, I would keep an eye on him. Um, and you, you also never know who, you know, so someone may emerge later in the in the process. We're, we are in, you know, we're just now entering July. So, um, you know, a lot of things can change between now and in November and December. Yeah, they really can. And the offensive line has been very interesting. Austin Troxel deciding to go to Auburn. I know Alabama was very interested in him, but uh, they have two commitments from Alex Weatherwood who, like William Barger said earlier tonight, maybe the top offensive line tackle in the country, high school offensive tackle, Elliot Baker, the top-ranked junior college offensive tackle. And they'd like to add at least a couple of more linemen. Looks like uh, Kendall Randolph of Bob Jones is still a, a priority. And the two you hear the most about are Isaiah Wilson, uh, who I was hearing this week with Michigan and Alabama will probably be the two favorites uh, from the for the Brooklyn, New York native, uh, the high school young man. And then Jackson, Tennessee's Trey Smith. I did not know that he, I was told he grew up an Alabama fan, but and he's still very interested in Alabama, but I know Tennessee is prioritizing him. Well, I've heard the same thing quite a while back, uh, that Trey Smith, you know, grew up an Alabama fan. But, you know, we'll see. Um, Isaiah Wilson out of uh, Brooklyn is a, uh, a tremendous player. I think Alabama thinks they have a legit shot there. You know, I, I, for some reason, I just can't see that. Uh, see him coming here, um, you know. But who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've just always kind of felt that he was probably going to Michigan. <coughs> and then Randolph, as you mentioned, he's certainly a possibility. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out. But William and I, William was in agreement with me, Rodney, and I know you've talked about this on TiderInsider.com and TITV, but probably from this point forward in the class the most important thing is to get at least four really good defensive linemen uh that are they can they can be developed and play pretty early in their careers well yeah you have aaron sterling committed which i think he's he may not be the biggest guy but he is a really good player he's very productive very aggressive he's athletic i like uh, aaron sterling out of georgia and uh, you know after him going to be real interesting uh 
you know, you have a couple of guys in state that uh, are really good prospects, at least a couple of guys, maybe more. Uh, obviously, LeBron Ray, I think Alabama leads for him. Uh, Brian Johnson out of Mobile St. Paul's. Uh, Ray, of course, is from Madison, James Clemens. But Ryan Johnson out of Mobile St. Paul's, I, I, I think Alabama is in good shape with him. Um, then I think Alabama really likes is keeping a real close eye on Neil Farrell out of Mobile yes. Murphy, who I spoke to a couple of days ago. Uh, he's a guy that would be a big interior type guy, 6'3", he's 6'3 plus. He's 295 pounds, so uh, really like him. He's got some really uh, really impressive offers, Drew. Alabama, really USC, Fl- Florida State. Uh, you know, he's got several, really Florida. So he's got some really impressive uh, offers, and uh, he's a kid to keep an eye on. He's, he's kind of by, – by mid-fall, he could be a guy that really kind of jumps up the list in terms of in-state prospects. Yeah, he really could. And then – the secondary, you know, I was I received a phone call uh, this week saying that, uh, you know, that uh, Alabama's definitely not out of it with Jacoby Stevens uh, from Oakland, Tennessee. Uh, Georgia thought they had him firmly, I think, privately committed. Uh, that's no longer the case. He, he visited Alabama recently, had a great time. Uh, and then Hamza Nasser Aldean uh, from California, I mean, excuse me, from uh, North Carolina. I know, Rodney, you reported he would be visiting. Uh, on July the 17th for Alabama's final elite camp. But he could also grow into a linebacker, but he's an outstanding prospect, A.J. Terrell. And then Kyrie McDonald, I received a phone call on him this week, some uh, concerned about how his overall speed. But I think you and I are in uh, agreement. He may not blow the the, uh, the 40-yard dash away, but he has great instincts and is a playmaker and just really seems uh, to be coming on uh, as a prospect. Yeah, you know, he may not be a 40 guy, but I think on the football field he plays really fast, uh, pretty fast right. because he's very instinctive. He knows where to be. He has a really good football IQ, so to speak. I think he just knows where he's supposed to be. And, you know, you, you can't really um, measure that. I mean, it's, it's in terms of speed because he just is in the right spot at the right time most of the time, most every time. I mean, it's amazing. He makes all kinds of plays, eight interceptions last year, four of those returned for touchdowns. He had ten non-offensive touchdowns, I think it was, last year. And uh, he blocks kicks. He picks up fumbles and returns them for touchdowns. This guy sacks quarterbacks. He does everything. So, he, like mm-hmm. I said, I've said this before, and, and I really think he kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, quite a bit of uh, Javier Arenas. That's high praise. I mean, Javi, people always talk about his uh, punt, kickoff and punt returns, but he was also a very, very good uh, defender uh, by the time his days at Alabama uh, uh, wound down and is, and, and is still in the NFL right now. So, Javier Arenas has had and, and done most of that via defense. He really hasn't returned a lot of surprisingly kicks and punts in the NFL. But Javi was a, uh, a great all-around football player, and uh, Kyrie McDonald could follow in those footsteps. As could Monty Rice. I think Alabama's going to add a couple more linebackers. We've talked about Chris Allen from Baton Rouge. Monty Rice is an in-state target to watch. And so we will see. I mean, Alabama, they've already taken Markel Benton, who's a very good player, and Vandarius Cowan. Uh, so they've got a chance to put together a really good linebacker group. Overall, uh, if they if they, if they can get the defensive lineman they're targeting, it looks like they're going to meet their needs, Rodney. And 
Uh, that And that could, it's all subjective, but it could lead to another number one class. But regardless, it's going to be a talented group, it looks like anyway. If you, if you look at it right now, it looks like Alabama and Ohio State are really the two right. teams that are you know, in position right now. Of course, you know, it's a long way to go, but I think Alabama's in tremendous shape to have another, you know, one, two year. And, uh, you know, if they can hold on to what they've got, and they can secure some really outstanding defensive linemen because I think they're going to fill the spots everywhere else. Uh, I think they're in. I think they're still in shape with Robert Beal myself. Uh, I was going to just. I'm glad you said that. I was going to ask you about him, Rodney. I mean, I, I think they are. I mean, I know that there's some people that have written him off to Georgia and so forth, but uh, I mean, I still think they're involved there quite a bit, and uh, you know, I think that's going to be an interesting to watch one to watch. As time goes on. Now, again, he may end up at Georgia, and maybe you would consider Georgia the favorite because he is an in-state kid and from Norcross. But uh, you know, I'd keep an eye on Robert Beal, and they're they're also uh, Chase. Don't forget Chase Young out of uh, Dematha. Uh, some mm-hmm. people think he might be the best, one of the best defensive players in the country. He's a, I guess he's a defensive end slash outside linebacker, Jack linebacker type. A lot of people think he'll end up, you know, a defensive end, but uh, you know, I. You know, we'll see. But he is a—he's an outstanding talent. I know that Ohio State uh, has been considered the leader, but Alabama's certainly been in there. And I—and I, it's funny. Uh, I would talk to someone about those two young men this week. Both, and the uh, the person I spoke with liked both of them as prospects, but he actually thinks Beal has more athleticism and upside than Chase Young. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's subjective. Who knows? I mean, uh, you know, again, it's. Uh, Six one, half dozen of the other, so to speak. I mean, there's some people that think Chase Young's the, you know, one of the top two or three defensive players in the country, depending on who mm-hmm. you talk to. But, you know, I mean, there, there's one thing for sure: they're both outstanding players. You'd love to have both of them, I think. And, and then finally, to, and we thank you for taking the time to join us tonight, Rodney. And uh, it's always a, a pleasure. But uh, I know there's one prospect that you spoke with last year during the. Uh, cycle that visited Alabama uh, do you think the tide is still involved with Baron Browning uh, his name certainly continues to come up uh, out of Texas uh, I, I, you're right I did speak to him last year he's a very intelligent kid outstanding linebacker he earned an offer after his sophomore year from Alabama that was last summer uh, heading into his junior year and uh, I know he's one of the top players in the country Drew there's uh, no doubt about that. I think Ohio State's definitely, you know, a team. Again, you notice these names keep popping up, Alabama and Ohio State. You know, they're a team that's been in there. and Obviously, Texas is, you know, trying. And, you know, again, it's a long way. We'll see what happens with him. But I do think that Alabama's definitely, definitely in the mix, uh, you know, with him. Uh, they really are. Well, Rodney, great conversation as always. And, uh, uh, we always enjoy you coming on BAMS Radio, and it's a, I'm, I'm glad to be affiliated and honored to be part of TiderInsider.com. I think it's the most free-flowing and informative website covering the Crimson Tide. And, of course, for 20 years uh, you've been a part of uh, the Crimson Tide landscape. We always appreciate uh, your time and the thoughts, and you have a great Fourth of July with your family, and I'm sure we'll be talking with you again soon. But thank you. It's always uh, great to talk ball with you, man. Hey, appreciate it, Drew. You and Thomas, uh, have a great fourth. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. That's Rodney Orr, everybody. And we are going to wrap up 
this. It was about an hour and 56 minutes tonight of uh, BAM's radio, but Thomas Watts really got us rolling. Still had a great program for you. All those, uh, we enjoyed the interaction and listening live, uh, but you can also catch the podcast. Thomas Watts will have that up later tonight. Uh, just a great show. I want to thank Mac Jones and, of course, William Redfish Barger uh, for coming on with us. We hope you enjoyed hearing uh, from uh, Thomas Fletcher, uh, the uh, long snapper as well. And then Rodney, 